really quick before the episode begins, I want to give a couple of disclaimers. Number one, I have timestamps in the description of this episode because the beginning of the episode, I kind of give a lot of background on why we're even having this conversation in the first place. And I just give some context as to my experience with money. And then in the second half of the episode, I get way more into detail about actual practical steps that you can take to build wealth. I think you will really enjoy the full episode, though, if you decide to listen to the full thing. Disclaimer number two, this episode pairs really well with the episode that I did with the founder of Girls That Invest. If you have not listened to that episode yet, I'm going to link that in the description of this episode as well, because a lot of the things that we talked about in that episode really make this make a lot more sense. And I did not want to repeat all of it because I just feel like that would be too repetitive because we talked about all those things already on the show. So just go listen to that in conjunction with this. Also, please, please, please do not forget if you enjoy anything that I say in this episode or you find anything that you've heard on the show helpful, please just take two seconds or maybe like 20 seconds and go leave a review on the podcast page. It helps tremendously. That is the easiest way to show your appreciation for the hard work that goes into the show. I really would love it on Apple Podcasts, but wherever you listen is totally fine. Just leave a review, rate, like, subscribe, all those things. Um, it, I would really, really appreciate it. Now let's get into the episode. Welcome back to the Wealthy Woman Show. Okay, y'all, I'm just going to warn you now. Truffle is in a mood as usual. Every time I start recording, he likes to just go crazy. Um... And so I just wanted to let y'all know, I'm a mother, okay? I I have a little kid running around. He is a toddler. Mentally and physically, he's little, and he makes lots of noise. So if you hear growling or just weird stuff going on, chewing, smacking, those are all his favorite noises. So just ignore it. I apologize. There's no way for me to cut that out. Oh, God. Now he wants to be in the video. Hi. You want to come? Ah, don't touch that. Come here. You want to be in the video? Okay. I thought he wanted to be in the video. Normally he likes to be in the video. He knows when I'm recording. Anyway, on to today. Also, y'all hear that? I don't even know if y'all can hear it. I guess I'll find out later. But he's growling. (laughs) He's playing with his toys. It's so cute. Anyway, y'all, I feel like I am having a hair crisis and I'm trying my best to be on camera. I feel like I'm having a hair crisis because... I put these tape ends in my hair and I absolutely hate them. They're the worst. Um, And I don't hate them for the normal reasons of like, oh, they damage your hair. I hate them because I think I just hate these tape ends specifically. Anywho, because I wanted my hair out with the tape. It's just stupid. It's all a whole dumb situation. But I want to go back to my blonde because I'm like, duh, I look amazing in blonde hair. But then I'm like, I kind of want to have like dark, super choppy hair. I don't know. Like, I'm, like, thinking of, like, this, like, emo vibe situation, and I don't understand what's wrong with me right now, but I need to figure it out. I just really, I just want to do something different, and I was just like, oh, that that would be fire, because I was thinking of, like, the bang, like, the, the fringe. Imagine, like, black fringe, bangs, super choppy layers, just like, oh, I just feel like it would be so sexy. Okay. It could look real stupid on me. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, on to today's episode, because that is not what we're here to talk about. This episode is like so near and dear to my heart because this is what 
these are this is one of those episodes where I tell you guys a bunch of stuff that I wish somebody had told me years ago. I think that this is going to be one of those episodes that you save and come back to or you're going to need to at least take notes or like references later because I don't know. I just feel like this is some good information that I wish I had gotten. Okay, truffle this this dog. He put his toy on my lap and he's trying to get me to play with him and he keeps like nudging me. (sighs) He like doesn't get it. He doesn't understand that I can't play with him right now. Today, we are talking about how to create your dream life and truly become wealthy. And we're not going to talk about manifestation or any of that because I just feel like that does not serve you. <laughs> it doesn't serve. Okay, this is the thing. Manifestation is good. Manifestation has its place. Don't get me wrong. Manifesting is how I got a lot of the wonderful things that I've had in my life, right? No one teaches you how to maintain your manifestations. And I firmly believe People like to say, oh, you need to become the person you want to be before you actually attract the things that you uh, should have or whatever. I don't believe that. I actually believe you can attract whatever you want whenever you want. I truly believe it because I was the person that did it. As long as you believe it can happen for you, you can have it. That's And that's good and bad at the same time because... <laughs> You can also be, you can totally attract something that you are not equipped to maintain or fully equipped to handle. And so then you'll get your manifestations and then you will put yourself in a pickle because you don't know how to uh, properly handle it. You have to be a good steward over what you have. And in order to grow things, maintain things, experience true abundance and wealth, I think that requires good stewardship. I think you can be rich, you know, not be a good steward, but you can't be wealthy. There's there's a difference. And rich often looks like somebody that's just really focused in on fast money. But today we're going to talk about how to actually be wealthy. So in my experience, everything that had like all of the elevation in my life happened really quickly. I grew up in a home where no one understood how to be financially literate. Like, no one was financially literate in my home. Neither were my grandparents, because I grew up with them when I was, like, really young. No one really understood it. Um, The one person in my life that I felt like was good with money was my aunt. But now, as an adult, I realized that she was good at understanding cash flow and credit and things like that. But as far as, like, building true wealth, I don't think that that was something she was well-versed in. You only know what you know. I told you guys on the last episode, I believe, I talked about how I moved out of my parents' house in 2020. Everything transformed for me in like six to seven months of me moving out. So when I moved, that was at the same time that my parents were actually becoming financially literate. Or at least I'll say they were learning the fundamentals of like handling your money better, understanding how to make more money and have more cash flow, understanding how to manage their credit and stuff like that, like basic things. Okay. Like these are very basic things. And so for me to not even have that knowledge, (laughs) I can't sit here and fault them for any, any of that because they did the best that they could. And it just is what it is. When you have more money, more money just makes you more of who you are. And I'm saying this from experience. So all the best parts of me get to blossom when I have more money and it's the best, but also the flaws get to blossom and that is not always the best or it is good that they they show themselves but it's like not fun because now it's like oh you have to work on that it's just like a relationship when you get into a relationship it reveals the best parts of you and the worst parts of you 
because it should be if your relationship ain't mirroring to you who you are then you're not in the right relationship that's what i'm gonna say but (laughs) that's none of my business (laughs) that's your business but anyway same thing with money and i personally people like to talk about money in different ways like they like to view it different ways Y'all are going to learn that I just talk with my hands all the time. Like as I'm watching, because I can see myself in the camera view and all I'm doing is just a bunch of this, like I'm doing sign language or whatever. Have y'all seen those people? There's like several cases every month of people like faking sign language. Like they'd be like trying to get jobs as a, as a translator and then they'd be faking it and they, (laughs) and they get like in trouble and get charges and stuff. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm back on topic. (laughs) <laughs> just go look it up on TikTok, okay? Like, every every week, there's, like, somebody new that's faking it. And, y'all, anyway, back onto the topics. For me, I like to think about it as, like, a relationship. I like to believe that money has boundaries. It's about how well you keep its boundaries. So you can make more money all day, every day, right? Like, you can sit here and learn the game of cash flow. And I think that's what a lot of people like to focus on. They like to focus on helping people make a lot of money. And they think, that's going to change your life. Making more money is great and it absolutely will change your life. But what do you do with that money? That's what no one's talking about. It's like, what do you do with that money if you're making more? What do you do once you get the better job? Once you learn how to, you know, do whatever it is you're doing to make more money? Like, what do you do with that? And you have to understand that financial literacy is just learning how to respect the boundaries of money so that it can actually grow and how to be a good steward over it. So I had heard years ago, I had heard somebody say that wealthy people don't really have budgets, right? And so I was like, oh, that's lit. And I just always believed that I was going to be rich. So once I had more money, I said, budget for what? (laughs) What are we having budgets for? Like, I'm a millionaire. What are you talking about? What do I need a budget for? Which... You need a budget, okay? And the budget, this is the thing. The budget is not to restrict you, okay? So that this is where the boundaries part comes in. Budgets are not to restrict. Budgets are to train you, or this is my belief now. Budgets are to train you to have discipline and to respect your money. Budgets are to teach you to, to have discipline and prioritize investing your money, Okay. And that's how you have to think of it. Like you have to have boundaries with your money or respect the boundaries of money when it comes to wealth. You can, so there, you can have different types of relationships with money. If you don't have good boundaries with money, then you can have, it's just like a a regular relationship with a person. If there's a relationship that you have with your partner and it does not have good boundaries, then your relationship is kind of probably be pretty raggedy. Like it's kind of probably be, something that brings you down okay like no lie like just to be straight to the point like it's gonna bring you down your mood your energy your life probably in certain areas because you don't have good boundaries now if your your relationship is healthy and you each have good boundaries then this relationship could help you grow it could help you um, improve in a lot of ways in your life and it could bring you lots of joy, happiness, abundance, all those things just because this person adds so much value to you and you both maintain healthy boundaries, okay? A person can add value to you, but it cancels it out if you don't have good boundaries, okay? So that's like, if I get with somebody and he's, let's just say he's the president, like, duh, I'm going to have access to all these new things now, right? But if we're cussing each other out, fighting all the time, uh, 
like doing crazy stuff to each other that doesn't really matter because now I'm suffering <laughs> like I, you know what I mean like I'm just in hell um and so the the value that he adds does not outweigh how he's treating me you get what I'm saying so it's the same thing with money it's like I could have more money but like if I'm still over here like spending all of it on stupid stuff I'm not investing I'm not prioritizing things and thinking of my long-term whatever it's like it, it's no different than not having money it's the same it's the same difference as like not having money that's what I mean by boundaries okay like I said money just makes you more of who you are and I think it's really important that as you grow your money definitely be gentle with yourself and because you're going to start learning new things about yourself so be gentle and don't judge yourself and be mean to yourself because that that's what I was doing when I started making more money I was really mean to myself and I was in shame all the time because I felt like I was supposed to know more than I knew and I was just like oh my gosh like why don't I know these things but it's like duh girl you don't know things that you don't know like that's just that doesn't make any sense and so I was walking around with this shame and being frustrated all the time because um I felt like I was supposed to know more because I was like, if I'm the one that said I wanted to do all this, if I took on this responsibility, if I built this business, da, 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 I need to know these things. I'm supposed to know. So then that put me in a cycle of being afraid to ask for help because I didn't want to look stupid. Like I didn't know because everyone thought I knew, or at least I thought they did. <laughs> um, and then I just constantly was because I was so afraid. I was like, I just have to pretend, pretend like I know or I would rely on my boyfriend to tell me things because he used to work in finance. So in that situation, it's like, well, you worked in finance. So there's no shame of me not knowing something because you, were, you know what I mean? And also, too, it's your boyfriend. So like the damsel in distress, like I'm going to act like I need you to tell me everything and walk me through everything and handhold me. I wish I was more gentle with myself, because if I had instead of operating in shame, if I had been more um, understanding and been like, hey, Donnie, nobody taught you these things. It's okay. And it really doesn't matter what anyone thinks because if they're not doing the same things as you, uh, they have no right to have an opinion on what you're doing and how you're doing it. Even if they are doing the same things, it really just doesn't matter. At that time, I had had a financial advisor that I had um, worked with. I had started working with him when I first started my business back in 2020 but like the first half of 2020 like I think I started working with him in like March or April of that year and I was just getting to a point where I was making a few thousand dollars a month consistently from my business and which was really good for me to only be doing my business since January there's so much to learn when it comes to finances and it can be very overwhelming very overwhelming and that was something that kept me away from learning for a long time because it would overwhelm me I felt like I was supposed to know this. Like, there were so many things going through my head. So I was just like, you know what? I'm just not even going to bother. I'll, or I'll get to it. I'll get to it later. <laughs> and it just made me feel so bad. But with him, he told me, he was like, yeah, um, these are the main things we're going to focus on. And he had kind of given me a rundown of, like, investments and all these things and just, like, showing me and helping me understand things better on, like, a basic level. And so that kind of opened my eyes. And I was like, okay, good, good, good. I still really didn't understand in its fullness, because he didn't explain it in its fullness, but he understood that I was like at a very low level and I needed the basics. And so the first thing he told me, he was like, look, we can't even do this other stuff, the investing, all that stuff until we get you solid cash flow. And he was like, you're doing good, but like you, we just need you to be here versus here, like based on your goals, based on what you want to do and what you're making right now. 
I could not do anything more with your money if you gave it to me because you need that money to survive, paying normal bills and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, you're right about that. And that's the thing. I'm not, like I said, once again, budgeting, all that stuff. I'm not saying all that to restrict you. Ultimately, all the things that I'm about to tell you to do, because I'm about to give you like a list of actual things that you need to focus on, um, like practical things. Okay. So all the things I'm about to tell you to do with your money, once you start making more money, these are all things you have to have more money for. So I'm telling you this part, like this story right here, because it taught me that ultimately in order to do any of this, you have to prioritize cash flow. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. Now here's where the problem comes in. He told me that. And then also to, he told me to work on my credit and I was like, okay, cool. Working on the credit, working on the cash flow. Okay. So I said, okay, awesome, cool. Um, and so I started doing that. But the problem was he himself was not the most consistent. Like he was kind of all over the place. And I think he was really overwhelmed. He had too many clients, all this stuff. And I was probably just not a priority because I wasn't making that much money. <laughs> like, let's be real. And ultimately, I was not able to have that many sessions with him that like that's the problem I stayed with him until the end of the year and I didn't have that many sessions with him so he had no idea how much money I was bringing in so by the end of the year he had no idea like I was suddenly doing really really well I moved out I had done all these things and I was just like I called his assistant I was like hey girl I just want to like stop working with him I just want to cancel all this and she's like are you sure and I said absolutely absolutely so problem was I didn't get an actual like a new financial advisor after that because I didn't prioritize it because I had so many things going on I was just very scattered I'm I can all like I'm very much scattered a lot like I I'm very good at acting like I'm very organized but mentally scattered okay so <laughs> so uh, I was like, I knew it. Like in the back of my head, there were a list of things at that time I knew I was supposed to do. So I was like, okay, I need to do this. I need to have, I need to hire an assistant. Like there were all these things. And the thing that was like weighing on me the most at that moment was the assistant thing. So I had focused on that rather than focusing on getting a new financial advisor. And I was like just starting to work with my business partner and there were like all these responsibilities that I had. So it would just kept getting pushed back. And I just never did. I never got a new financial advisor. So all I was left with was this idea that, okay, I need to have more cash flow in order to do all these things. But then I didn't know how to go about doing all these things that I needed to do. So then once I got into that relationship the next year in 2021, which you guys have learned about him in previous episodes. Well, the main episode, I, I like mention him or reference him when I'm talking about like certain things that I've learned financially because I learned a, a good amount of things from him. Um, I don't enjoy bringing him up necessarily, but like it is what it is. So I started learning from him and he was teaching me a lot of good things. This is what I'll say. This is just me being me and being really naive, but also scattered. Okay. Cause the reality is when he was saying things, I did take it serious. I will say that. And I will say that was where I saw a lot of his value and that was why I kept, that was a big reason why I kept him around, unfortunately. Like that was like, I was like, oh my gosh, this is, so, this, this is, yes, just back to my example of like, you could be with the president, but like if y'all are cussing each other out of, all the time and all that stuff, it, it cancels out the relationship. This is that same type of situation. We weren't cussing each other out all the time and doing crazy stuff to each other. But if you listen to that old episode, 
where I talked about how I grew my business and stuff um, with me and Gabby. Gabby's on that episode. You understand why that relationship was not the best. But a big reason why I kept him around was because I was thinking of the long term vision. And I was thinking that I was like, oh, my gosh, he 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 and I make so much sense on paper. Okay. And so every time he would tell me something, I really, really valued it. I really did. I was like, okay, this makes so much sense. The problem was, once again, I was intimidated. And he would, this is the thing. He was telling me a lot of things, but he wasn't able to take the time to like help me get those things set up because he was in a stage in his life where he was trying to get himself back on track. So he would tell me things and he was like trying to do his best to help me, but he just really didn't have the time to help me the way I needed to be helped. So I was like, okay, great. I know all these things. I don't know what to do with this information, (laughs) but he was sharing so much good stuff. And I just knew I was like, oh my gosh, this is the stuff that will help me become whoever I envisioned in my head. Like I was like, okay, I've done all this by myself. This is great. But like to get to the next stage, I know this man could help me because of what he's saying and all this stuff. I just never, I never knew. And I wouldn't know without him. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is so good. The problem was I did not prioritize it. I did not put anything that he said into place. And so it was a thing of, in hindsight, it was like I kept having these experiences as time went on. And after he's out the picture and all this stuff, I keep having these experiences where I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish I had done what he said. I should have prioritized it. I already knew this. I knew this because he told me this. I knew this. He said X, Y, and Z, and look here what what is happening because I didn't do X, Y, and Z. Now that I've given you all that background, let's get into the rest of like, or let's get into the nitty gritty of what you need to be doing once you have more money, okay? So let's talk about lifestyle inflation. I, I believe that's what it's called. Girl, you know what I'm talking about. When you basically make more money and then you increase your expenses, you know what I'm talking about. So this this goes hand in hand with business and with your lifestyle, okay? This is what I want you to understand. Everybody always says, everybody always says, uh, don't increase your expenses as you increase your your income, okay? Which is true to an extent. I like to say, don't increase your expenses until you prioritize some of these other things first, okay? Because you can totally increase your expenses and because you're secure enough to increase them. And because that's the thing that one's telling you. They're telling you that as if you're just supposed to live underneath your means to feel safe with your money, to feel safe with the amount that's in your bank account. But it's really not about having a big amount in your bank account to feel safe. There was a time in my life where I used to feel like, I cannot have any less than five figures. Honestly, it was like multiple five figures. Like sometimes it would be, be between twenty to 30000 in my checking account. I was like, I don't feel safe unless I have that in my checking account, which is so dumb. There would be one main account where I just needed to see. like, And it was a checking account. This was so dumb. It was a checking account where I just had all this money sitting there. And it's just like, for what? What are we doing this for? The rest of the money I would keep in like, um, like the business account because I, because it made me feel safe. It made me feel like I'm living underneath my means. I'm living below my means. And that's not what people mean by living below your means. Okay. So whether it's your business or your personal life, you need to prioritize having money in cash reserves. Okay. For a business is cash reserves for your life. It's your savings account. Having money in there to last you three months, three to six months worth of expenses because the reality is everybody 
every business, every whatever, there is going to be a month or two or 10 where (laughs) things are just down. Okay. It doesn't matter if your business is going up and up and up for years. Eventually, there will be a, a time where you don't make as much as you did maybe last month, last year, last week. And you will need to cover yourself and dip into your savings. But if it's not there, then what? For for us, with my business, my previous business, we had... Um, yeah, I think we had about three months of cash reserves. And then after those three months, I was like, oh, no, I don't know what to do because things are still not fixed. And at that time, if you know you if you watch the old episode, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I did not I was just trusting my business partner at that time. So I didn't really uh, fix it the way I should have the situation. And that was a problem as well. <laughs> but here's the thing. What I could have done, this is what I could have done, or this is what I should have done. I should have prioritized the cash reserves, put more in there, because we totally could have put more in there. So I could have put more in cash reserves um, to last us like six months instead of just three. I could have, even my personal account, clearly I could have put more in my uh, savings because even after that, that was everyone's argument when all that happened. It was like, you're fine. We're the only ones, you know, like struggling now because of this. And it was like, yeah, but that next year it was like, I still ran through my savings that next year. So, and it didn't even take all year to run through it. It took, it took a few months and that like I was out of there. After that, after you have your cash reserves, the next thing that you need to do is for business specifically, not for personal life. For business, we'll talk about personal life in just a second. For business, you need to go get funding while you are doing well. Go get some funding and put all of it or most of it in cash reserves as well. And then you will use some of that money to pay the payments, okay? And the reason you're doing this is for that reason. Like literally, you just never know what's going to happen in your business. You're doing all of this while maintaining the cash flow that you already had or increasing the cash flow that you already had. Once you've done this, you're in a solid spot to where you can now increase your expenses. So you could be hiring, getting equipment, whatever you need for your business. That is when you can go on and do those things safely and know that like, okay, it's totally fine if um, I increase my expenses and something happens next month because now we have these savings. And even though people are depending on me for their livelihood, I can guarantee (laughs) that they will get paid next month, the month after that, the month after that, and the month after that because... I've set all this stuff up in place to make sure that's accurate. And even yourself, you will get paid as well. Now, once you do that, um, on a personal level, let's talk about personally. So you have your, your savings and stuff like that, right? And that's where it ends for a lot of people. A lot of people just focus on savings and they focus on, uh, cash flow and then they're, they stay right there or they focus on just continuing to grow their cash flow, which is cute. It's fun, but I need you guys to get into a space where instead of just focusing on cash flow, you switch to having an abundance mindset. You switch from focusing on just fast money to focusing on stable money. And what I mean by stable money is reliable money, dependable money, money that you just know is always going to come in because you've set multiple things up. You're not just focused on your main source of cash flow. A lot of us come up with one really good thing that we figured out to bring us a certain amount of cash flow. And then when that one thing is gone, 
we're like, oh my gosh. And everybody talks about having multiple streams of income. Everybody loves to talk about this, but they don't talk about it in a sustainable way. Let's be realistic here, okay? Let's be so for real. (laughs) Having multiple streams of income is not easy to maintain on your own. Someone that has a team, like for me, when I had a team, baby, you couldn't stop me, okay? I had this over here, that over there. I had all these things going on, right? And then the moment I had to fire my team, I was like, oh, I can't, I can't keep all these things up. What is that? I was like, I can't. I felt like the Mr. Krabs meme where I was like, I was like, I don't know. I can't do all this. Um, I just couldn't. Like, it's just unrealistic. And even when I didn't have a team before that, it was like, it just was unrealistic to be able to make more than two streams of income, like active income. Okay. So this is what you're going to do. I'm not going to, everybody likes to talk about having seven streams. I don't like all that. I don't like having a bunch of streams of, because this is a reality. Unless you have a team and you know how to create momentum and do all the things in your business. Nine times out of 10, you, if you have all these different streams, each of these streams is bringing you in change, just a bunch of change. YouTube will bring, cause this is what people like to tell me. They'd be like, Oh, I have so many streams of income. I have my YouTube check. I got this over here. I got my business that I do on the weekends. I got the, and each one of them is bringing in like a hundred twenty dollars over here, four hundred dollars over there. That is not a stream of income. I am so sorry. If it cannot pay a bill, it is not considered a stream of income. And I'm talking about a decent bill. I'm not talking about a little uh, phone bill. I'm talking about it needs to pay something significant that costs a few hundred dollars or more. If it can't do that, it is not a stream of income. And we're just going to count it out because it's a waste of your time. Because I guarantee that you're spending more time on the thing than what you're getting in return. And that's what we're not going to call a stream of income. That's called volunteer work. So... (laughs) So you're doing volunteer work and you're calling in streams of income and then you're wondering why you're not a millionaire yet. That is why. So we're going to focus on two to three good streams of income. Okay. And then we will find ways to build wealth with that. All right. It is possible to be a millionaire without having seven streams of income. Contrary to popular belief. Like I, I, I hate whoever came up with that and said that because that is just so stupid. It's not like I get what they were trying to say, but it's just like, be, be so for real. Maybe billionaires, I'm sure billionaires absolutely have seven, but like millionaires don't require all that, okay? Making a million dollars is not as hard as it seems, I promise you. If you do it once, you could do it again. If you, like literally, it's, it, doing it the first time is the hardest, but like after you've done it, you're like, oh, that really wasn't that hard. That was not that deep. So anyway, let's get into... Um, the things you need to do, like as far as like the different income streams. Okay. So of course you're going to have your main one that brings in a really good amount of cash flow. And if you have a main one that caps you, like that caps your cash flow, where it's like, you can only make a certain amount, like a day job or something, then we need to have a new stream of income <laughs> that brings in a good amount of cash flow. That is where I give you permission. If you have, if you're already an entrepreneur and your main stream of income is your business, then by all means, let that be your main source of cash flow. Now, if you have a day job and you are interested in being an entrepreneur, if you have a day job and you're, the cap for your income is not where you want it to be, get a better job or start a side business that you can actually maintain very well while actually um, keeping your job. 
Don't start a side hustle that's going to require so much maintenance to where you are constantly tired, you hate your life, all these things. We're not going to do that. We need to do something that is sustainable. So do something that makes you, uh, that helps you to balance your life pretty decent, okay? Now, after you do that, or after you figured out what brings you in a good amount of cash flow, I want you to think about uh, investing, okay? So this is what I want you to realize, when somebody says they're a trader, when somebody says that they uh, trade Forex stocks, options, all the things, I want you to just count that out. We're not counting that as investing. We're just not, okay? That is active still. You have to be, that you still have to be very, and like you are going to be involved in your investments, but I want you to, that also, it feels like gambling. And we want, Okay, this is how you'll know if it is true or what we're going to consider true investing right now. We're just going to, and also, as we get into this section, I want you to understand, I am not a financial advisor. Okay, I'm not a financial advisor. This is not financial advice. That's just the disclaimer, okay? But I'm just going to tell you some information that I think would be good for you to know. That's all what this is, okay? Please don't, please, please don't say, Donnie said, da, 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 da. Just say, okay, Donnie says something I liked, and I'm going to try it. That's what, that's what it is, okay? Don't say that I advised you on anything. But you investing needs to feel boring initially. Do not do anything that feels impulsive, very up and down, addictive, anything like that. Because we all, this is what I'll say, money Money is one of those things that we get very emotional about or we feel very attached to emotionally a lot of times. I don't care who I don't care who you are. I don't care how chill you are. If you are somebody that makes a decent amount of money and then all of a sudden the next day you lose a lot of money, you're going to feel it. You're going to feel it. So I don't want to sit here and be like, oh, yeah, get into trading, get into this, because with that, you have to have a certain level of control. And you cannot get too cocky and it's a skill and it's not something that I would consider passive. It's not something that I would consider sustainable. Okay. It's not something where it's just like predictable, sustain any of those things that are going to bring you stability, quote unquote. It's not that. Okay. Uh, trading can be good. Trading can be awesome. Trading can definitely bring you the life you want. Right. But that is when you have cert uh when you're just really good at it everyone's not going to be good at it so let's just like put that to the side for a second and if you're listening to this and you trade and all that stuff kudos to you but I don't know that that's the best option for everybody and I think a lot of people go to that option because it sounds like quick money fast money but investing needs to be boring initially if it needs to feel boring um it needs to feel predictable and we just need to get in this state of mind where <laughs> investing is not meant to be some exciting thing every day. It's just not. It's just not. So what we're going to focus, the types of investments that we're going to focus on are going to be more passive. Okay. We, I want you to, to put together some streams of income that are passive. I, I would say at least two of these. You need to come, you need to do at least two of these. Okay. So you can invest in things like index funds mutual funds, Roth IRAs, uh, you can invest in a REIT. So index funds, mutual funds, all that. These are things where you would have a broker that would invest into different stocks for you. 
and they would just manage it for you over time. And eventually you would get a pay, like a, a dividend. A dividend is a payout. Uh, and the payout could be quarterly, monthly. It's up to you. Like you need to, you know, research these and research the different options and decide which one is best for you. Cause some people do like monthly, um, monthly payouts. Some people like quarterly payouts. It's really just up to you, which you like. Uh, then the Roth IRAs, that's more, that's the same type of thing, but it's more complex and you get benefits and certain things that come with having a Roth IRA and it's a retirement account, quote unquote, but they're still investing your money into the market. And there's someone that is, yeah, they're investing your money into the market, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Then the REIT, a REIT is a real estate investment trust where basically you are part of this trust or in this investment group and they're going to invest in different real estate things and you just basically get a cut for being a part of that. So you invest money initially and then your investment grows because they're investing in different real estate and then you get a cut of that money. Uh, and the div, like it really just depends on the REIT you're a part of because the dividends can be different. Like they can be monthly, quarterly, yearly, whatever. Those are some predictable things to start investing into when you first start investing. But I want you to understand this is the real true way to make passive income. People love to argue with me on TikTok. They argue with anybody that talks about passive income. They're like, that is not real passive income. Da, 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 da. Uh, not this specifically, but anytime you have another idea where you're like, oh, you could do vending machines, you could sell digital products, you could sell blah, 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 and it's passive income. Yes, I totally understand. On some level, all of those things do require some type of maintenance. This right here, though, these are real true ways to bring passive income in. And I really think that this is something, I mean, yeah, like you'll have to check in on it and make sure everything's going good or whatever, but Ultimately, this is way more passive than any other thing that you could do. Now, of course, what you get back is dependent on what you put in, but ultimately it's going to help your money grow and it's going to give you some kind of income consistently, right? Like it's going to bring you something back consistently and you're going to watch things increase and grow over time. That way, while you're living off of your active income, if something truly does happen, you have this to fall back on. And I will tell you from experience, my ex, he used to do this. So when I met him, he did not have a job because he had quit his job or whatever. And he was supposed to be working on this app, but that whole situation didn't go that well. So he was like, he put that on the back burner and he was literally just living off of his investments. Like that was it. Every single month he would get some kind kind of dividend from somewhere and he was just living off of that. And I was like... Okay, this was when I understood that money was a game. Okay, I remember right before we broke up, um, he was moving away. And the night before he left, he showed me, I don't know if this was, I think it was supposed to make me feel good or excited for him or something. I don't know. But he showed me this spreadsheet that he had put together and it had his whole plan for the next year financially. And he had come up with a plan on how he was going to make or become a millionaire, or make a million again, because this was not the first time he had done it, but he had kind of depleted his income trying to build that app. So he told me, he was like, this is my plan for, you know, the next year I want to, you know, have a million in the bank again and all this stuff. 
And I was like, I couldn't understand it. I was like, wait, what? Because this new, because he had just gotten a new job at that time. And that job was only going to bring in like six figures, maybe 200K max. Um, And so I was like, how is that going to become a million? And I'm looking at the spreadsheet and I can see like how he's like about to move this money around. And it still was not quite making sense to me (laughs) at the time. I was like, how does that happen? But this is how the things that I'm telling you right now, this is how. So the other thing you want to do, this is this is the next thing you want to do. Um, you want to build up your cash flow as much as possible, because what you're going to do. So after you've done all the things that I listed so far. Right. And you're at a space where it's like, OK, I have my investments going. I'm bringing in a certain amount of income, whatever, whatever. Right. And we have our cash reserves, our savings, all of these wonderful things. The next thing that you want to do is you want to put you, you one, you want to increase your income. Now is the time to really go hard. Like we are just going to go all in and we're going to try to make as much money as possible. And the reason we're doing this is because we're going to put that extra income as much of it as we can that doesn't like take away from our lifestyle. We're going to put as much of that money as as we can into a high interest account. OK, you can do high interest savings, wh- whatever you want to do. Just a high interest account where your money makes uh, like at least almost four percent, if not over four percent interest all the time. Because, OK, so let me just give you an example. So this makes sense. So let's just say you want to do. Um, OK, let's just say you want to make twenty thousand a year. I mean, not a year, a month. Okay. So let's just say you want to make 20,000 a month, right? Then this is what you want to do. You want to get to the point where you're only living off of the interest that you're making on this account or these accounts. It could be several accounts, but you want to get to the point where you're living off of the interest of these accounts and not your active income. That way you can just keep putting your active income um, into these accounts and then your interest keeps growing and growing and growing and you're just living off of the interest you got you do you hear me do you hear me okay so you just keep putting all your money at well this is as you get to the point where you can do that okay so let's just say you want to make okay let's just say somehow the lord allows us to put a million dollars into an account that has high interest okay so let's just say we have a million and then four percent of that is 40,000. So you could be living off of that. That could be your, your, what you're living off of all the time. So even if we did half a million, right, we had get half a million into an account. Mind you, like I just told you guys, and I, I could do another episode on cash flow if you want me to, like, so that I, you can understand. Cause that, if I don't know how to do nothing else, okay, mm, I know how to have some cash flow. I pride myself on that. I, cause baby, when that man told me cash flow is the way to me living the life I wanted, Oh, you better believe I prioritize that. Okay. And it takes everything within me because I'm in this stage right now of trying to heal that part of myself where it's like I do everything out of survival or I do everything from a space of like just trying to make a bunch of money and all this stuff like and and just trying to accomplish things. And it takes everything in me not to just get into this rat race of just trying to like run it up. Cause I know how to run it up. Okay. (laughs) But if I do that, I'm not living in my purpose and y'all know how I feel about that because in order for me to run it up, I have to go back to talking about different topics and doing different things. And that does not serve my purpose at this moment. 
But if it did, ooh, but I can do an episode for y'all. I can. Honestly, don't tempt me because I'll do a class. Okay, I'm kidding. But <laughs> I'm kidding, not kidding. But anyway, if y'all need help with cash flow, that's all I'm saying. I can, I can help you. But let's just say we like, because back to the $20,000 uh, example, all you need is half a million in, a, in an account with high interest, right? You have the half a million in the account and that brings you, uh, if we're doing, if we have like a 4% interest in that account, then that would be $20,000. So you would be bringing in that 20000 each month in interest in this account. You feel me? You feel me? You have to make sure it's the right kind of account because some accounts pay interest or spread out your interest in different ways. So it needs to be one of the accounts that's like you make this percent in interest each month. Please make sure that all that, those details are correct uh, because you'll get an account and you'll be like, I did not make 20000 like Donnie said. It's because you didn't get the right account. So you need to make, you need to read the fine print because they everybody does their interest different. All right. Now, now that we've gotten that straightened out, okay? We're now we now we really live in wealthy, okay? Uh we living off of interest, okay? <laughs> we got investment. We have a portfolio of investments. Now we have all all the things, okay? If you prioritize budgeting, then once you start doing the investments, like I said, like the uh, mutual funds, the index funds, and this kind of account and all that stuff, it'll help you have that discipline to be like, oh, no, baby, I got to put this over here because you're going to enjoy watching it grow. So you'd be like, I'm going to put this over here and put that over there. Like it just becomes a priority and it's a routine and it's a discipline. It's not a thing of like, oh, God, like if I had to pay this, like I'm not going to have money. That's not how it's supposed to feel. It's not supposed to feel like a restriction. Once you do all this, you can definitely live whatever kind of life you want to live. Like it's not it's not a thing of being restricted. You are just playing the game of money. Now we might just want to keep like growing our income because we're just it's fun. It's fun. Right. So now what you're going to do is you're going to invest or buy low maintenance companies or you can start them. I mean, at this point, you probably gonna be like, I don't want to start nothing new because I'm you're being a hot girl. Like at this point, you should be traveling. You should be doing things constantly, like just living your best life. Like every other weekend you want a flight to a concert or to another country or just like with your bay. Like you don't even feel like starting something from the ground up like that's ghetto. But just in case you do or you just want to buy, you can buy one that's already established. OK, so these are some ideas that you can invest in that would be low maintenance that wouldn't require a lot of time from you um that would still bring in a a decent amount of like cash flow okay so one idea is vending machines of course i don't mean just having one vending machine i mean having several okay like five to ten of them and these vending machines need to be something significant like I I absolutely hate when I tell people to start vending machines and then they try to argue with me about how they don't make money vending machines make money maybe yours don't but (laughs) that's like anything a store a store can make money maybe your store doesn't maybe you had to close yours down but there are people that make millions of dollars off of everything and so if you're just not good at it say that but don't try to argue with me and tell me it's not a good idea I've done my research it's a good idea okay ideas that are good Having uh, vending machines at the airport with electronics or necessities that people always need. You could have a vending machine with toiletries. You could have a vending machine with chargers, all kinds of things, snacks, 
at the airport. People always forget things and they need to buy things at the airport. Great idea. Another idea. Beauty supply uh, vending machines. This is something that I wanted to do. I, th- I probably still might do it. But it's all about your location and the product. If you can get those two things down, there's really no reason for you to not make money. If you didn't make money, that's probably what it is. So beauty supply uh, vending machines. A great place to have these is at colleges because a lot of times colleges are out in the middle of nowhere and there may not be good beauty supplies nearby, specifically beauty supplies catering to black women. Um, so, you know, have your edge control in there, have your bonnets in there, like whatever, like we would need a rat tail column, whatever, put that in the vending machine <laughs> and it could be travel size products, but like just understanding those two things, the product and the placement. Okay. You'll make a grip and don't be having a vending machine with $1 products. You just, duh, you're, of course you're going to be mad. Of course you're not. <laughs> you go, you go to your vending machine after a month and have made $20. Duh, uh, that's ghetto. So we need to put it somewhere where people are actually going to like purchase, but also like it needs to be something that's more than a dollar in these vending machines. Next thing is the virtual cleaning business. Okay. Of course I had, um, what's her name on this week? Why can't I think of her name? You know what I'm talking about. I had the woman on here talking about how to start a cleaning business. She gave some really good information. Here's the part I would like to add to that. Uh, you can do it without being the person cleaning. You can also do it without being the person managing the business. You would hire a virtual assistant to do all of the maintenance activities and all the mad, the admin work. Even if you're comfortable and you train them well enough, they could get the new clients for you and you would have to train them on sales, but they would be the person that secures the new clients. So they would be calling and let, and there will be times like depending on the type of contract, if you're trying to do commercial cleanings and stuff, You yourself might have to go up to these buildings, but for the most part, this can all be done through a virtual assistant. They can be the one calling around trying to get you new clients. They can be the people doing the promotion in the Facebook groups. They can be the people doing a lot of coordinating, um, keeping up with your cleaners, seeing if they're on track, all that stuff. So like now you pretty much erase yourself from the business and it's running itself. I love that idea personally. But like I said, you can buy these businesses from somebody. Like if you see somebody running a cleaning business, you can just be like, hey, can I buy this from you? And then they can come up with a price and you buy it from them and then you build it out to be bigger than what it was. Okay. With more systems, processes, all that stuff. Then virtual, the virtual call center. So this is my new favorite thing that I've learned about. Basically... Instead of having like an office where you have a bunch of people coming into a call center, you do it virtually. There's a platform called Arise. And basically on the website, they post different clients that need customer service reps. So it could be Disney. It could be Home Depot. It could be all these companies, right? And they'll give you a contract. They'll say, we need X amount of people for the next three months or the next month or the next week or whatever. And then from there you go in and you try to claim it and say, okay, I want this contract, right? But you, when you sign up for the platform, you're signing up as the call center. So you need an LLC, you need to have your EIN, and then when you sign up, you sign up as the, the call center, okay? Then you are going to go and find people to hire as customer service reps, and they, but these people are going to be contractors. They're not going to be W-2s. So you're not required to pay them a certain amount every two weeks or anything like that. You just pay them whatever they've earned. And then the way that you make money is you charge them a fee for bringing them the jobs. So you charge them a $50 fee and it comes out of their check. 
every two weeks. So 25 the first week, uh, the first two weeks, and then 25 the second two weeks each month. Then, um, basically all they need is they need a computer with Windows, they or a PC, something like that, and then they need a headset. And then you would just put up job listings on like Indeed or I don't know wherever people talk about jobs, Facebook, whatever. And then you would say, I'm looking for a call center rep so you can be your own boss. You And they just need to work at least a minimum of 15 hours a week. That's it. Like, that's the requirement to stay with you. And then, like I said, they pay you that fee and that's that. So these two business models or these three business models, I think, are really good because they don't require a lot of maintenance. And the people that I've seen that do it really well... Uh, they say they only have to maintain things for like a few hours a week. It's not a, a whole thing where it's like they're constantly on their computer all day long and making content and do it like it don't it don't require all that. So hopefully that gives you some ideas. And even now, like if you're looking for a way to increase your cash flow, a side hustle to start, these are good options. So keep that in mind. The other okay. So the other point that I want to make is at this point, if you've done all the things that I listed b- before this, um. If you don't want to own a company like the ones that I just mentioned, a good idea is to own companies that complement each other. And what I mean by that is, for example, years ago when I had my uh, course business, I was thinking about buying an ad agency because it complements what I do. That way, I'm not just wasting money every month on ads. It's like, I mean, no, it's not a waste. I, I, it makes more money, right? But at the same time, I'm also making money on this from another angle. So just think about if you are an entrepreneur, just think about the things that you have like that that you do in order to run your company or that supplement your company or whatever, and then try to own a company that is complementary to that. So let's just say you help people get business funding. Well, maybe you should have a credit repair company. Maybe you should have like something, you know, like whatever would prevent somebody from getting to the end goal with you and your business, um, whatever they need to have in place before that, then you might own the other part that helps them get to that point to work with you. That's just some ideas. Or maybe you decide you want to be an investor. Maybe like maybe you don't want to own companies that supplement your company, but like maybe you just want to start investing in companies that are all similar and that can be your portfolio. So maybe you only invest in beauty, beauty brands or you only invest in restaurants or whatever. Like get good at something because when you are an investor, you're going to have to bring some type of value or knowledge to the table. And so when you hone in on one type of investment, that really helps you to get good at building out those companies so that they could be more successful and bring you a better return on your money. Last tip I have, this is like an advanced tip. Um, once you get to this point, right, and you are just living it up and doing all the things, I advise you to put your assets and your businesses and stuff into a trust. And this is just some wealthy woman stuff, okay? This is... I put this at the end because by now the men have clicked off and no, I'm kidding. <laughs> we don't need the men to know about this part. Uh, so just, this is between me and you, sis, me and you, uh, put your stuff in a trust. Okay. That way when you get married, okay. When you get married, uh, they can't have it <laughs> basically because it's protected by a trust. They couldn't have it if they wanted to. It's already in the trust. Sorry, boo. It's in the trust. I can't do anything about that. Um, 
hate to see it, it's in the trust. Same thing with like if your family decides to do a family investment or they you guys all decide to own something, all y'all put put yourselves in a trust and and put that thing in the trust and you just write it in there that y'all have ownership, but like that protects you so that like if you end up getting a divorce or whatever, and they do something. I can't think of all the scenarios. I've never been married. But if they do something where they're trying to get your money or whatever, and they say, oh, my gosh, I was a part of this. I helped build this. or I've been with you for so long. I should get bloop, bloop, bloop. I got to when I was with you, I had these benefits because I blah, blah, blah. It don't matter. I don't care what you had when you were with me. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Baby, it's in a trust. I can't do nothing about that. Can't touch it. Sorry. It is the way it is, and you're not an owner on it. You're not in the trust. I am. So that's what I would advise you to do. Put it in the trust, and that'd be that. And there are many benefits to doing that, like so many. And there are different types of trusts you can do. There are different ways you can protect things. It's not just for assets and um like when they say being a trust fund baby where the, the person gets dividends each month and all that stuff. There are so many reasons you would have a trust, not just that, but that could be one of them. But you just look into it. I just love it because it's such a great way to protect things. Um, it, you, it can help you for it with taxes, all kinds of things. OK, so just all that. Oh, that's another tip I should have put on here. Y'all don't be playing with your taxes. OK, <laughs> find you a CFO. OK, Woo, baby, I wish somebody had told me this find a cfo that will help you manage your money well throughout the year throughout each quarter because you might need to do your taxes quarterly but they need to help you structure things in a way to help you prepare for taxes um and then find you somebody to do your taxes that is going to prioritize helping you so there's two different types of tax people. There's the people that want to just do everything the right way and just get it done. And then there's the people that are going to really prioritize getting you the best uh, benefits and helping you work your way around just spending so much money on taxes. So that's what you want to do. But in order to do that, you have to prepare for it. Like there are ways like loopholes and stuff that you can do last minute to like help you save money on taxes. But and of course, people always talk about, oh, just get on a payment arrangement and all that stuff. But how about I just don't even want to pay all that to begin with, right? But that takes preparation. So you need to find somebody that can help you with your taxes to properly prepare. Um, so yeah, do that. Okay. Um, but that's all I have for you guys. <laughs> that's all I have for you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Um, I hope it helps your life. This was stuff I wanted to put in my book, and then I realized I was like, I just need a space where I could just talk through this, and I've really been wanting to share this stuff with you, because I really feel like this is what helps you live a wealthy life, and every time I, I hear people come on the show, every time I ask them, I'm like, what does it mean to you be, to be a wealthy woman? Everybody's answer is, it means to have financial freedom, it means, it means to be free, but how do you actually be free? Nobody talks about how to be free, and even when people come on the show, they give really good information. I will say that. I think I'm good at pressing people to give good information. But ultimately, no one ever does this. I I have yet to see somebody go into this much detail. So I just wanted to like lay it out for you because this was hard for me to figure out. And these are things that I'm now trying to put in place and, and you know, get all this stuff together because I had to learn the hard way. 
I had to learn the hard way. The first time I had the opportunity to do this, I didn't do it because I didn't know better. So now I'm like, okay, let me do this because now I know better. And this is like really what makes the biggest difference in your life. And this is what allows people to, these. you know, there are some celebrities. I know we all have all seen this. There are some celebrities where they get really big and famous. And then all of a sudden, because they're not getting work anymore, like 10 years, 15 years, 20 years later, we see them working at like a car dealership or something, right? And we're like, dang, what happened? What happened is they didn't know this. Then there's other celebrities where we saw them a few times. um, They weren't the biggest celebrity, but we find out later that they're worth a lot or we find out later that they are doing really decent. Like they're still living a really good life. And we're like, how are they still living off them checks from that one hit song that they had? Or like, you know what I mean? And it's because on some level they understood this or somebody taught them this. So anyway, I hope that helped and I hope it wasn't too scattered. Y'all, I'd be trying to reel it in. I'd really be trying to reel it in. But like 15 thoughts are going on as I'm talking and I'm like, ooh, I want to say this and then I want to say this and then, and then it just comes out jumbled. So hopefully that was organized. I'm working on delivering better on podcasts, on, on a podcast because when I'm teaching in real life versus on a podcast, two different things. And so learning the delivery of this versus that is just so interesting. Um, but anyway, hope y'all enjoyed it. I will see y'all next week, but I need all y'all to go leave reviews. Okay. If you're going to listen, if you're going to be here, go leave a review. We're on the road to getting a hundred reviews. So if you're listening to this, if you enjoyed this episode, please Please, please, please go leave a review, okay? It helps me tremendously. Y'all already know the speech, okay? Love you guys. I will talk to y'all next week. (laughs) Bye.